When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the Leadership Strategist. Tonight's guest, Doctor of Education in Human Organization Learning and Founder of Amplified Research and Consulting. Dr. Russell Robinson. Hey, what you drink? This is someone who was introduced to me by someone that I had never met before. And uh, we got on the phone and talked for about 20 minutes. And this guy was reading my mind and taking it further than I was even daring to go. Uh, I mentioned a couple of jazz cats that I was getting into. And he was telling me about some albums that I had didn't even I didn't even know about by this guy. I, I mentioned a couple of leadership concepts. And he said, Yeah, that's good. But did you know this, this, and the other thing? And he's just he's just really taking this thing further. And I decided right then that he either needed to stop doing that or we needed to be friends one or the other so here we are on whiskey jazz and leadership with dr russell robinson man welcome into the room welcome into the conversation man what's going on hey man it's, it's gonna be hard to live up to that introduction it could be all downhill <laughs> it could be all downhill from here we'll, we'll do the best we can do the best we can well, hey, man, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it because, man, we connected on so many things that, like I said, that I was just barely getting into. And you had, you were like deep, deep into Lee Morgan, which is a new cat that I've been turned on to. And you've been into Lee Morgan for a bit. And I fancy myself as a leadership strategist. And that's what you do. You study leadership. So this is going to be an incredible conversation. I got tons of questions, but my audience knows the first question. And that first question is, so what you drinking? Yeah. So I'm going to let your audience down because I'm not a drinker. So, I mean, I think I may be the first one who's not qualifying for the rules. So I've got some, uh, I got the good old Daisani water, you know, <laughs> so it's going to be a cheap date if you're paying for drinks tonight. So. Hey, well, I'll tell you what, man. Keep, <laughs> hey, keep drinking that Dasani. That is some uh, that's some purified water. Yeah. From one, from one of the beverage companies that I worked for for 22 years. And as a matter of fact, I still own some stock. So please buy more. <laughs> Yeah. It, well, you know, the funny thing is, so this is about a bourbon based show and, and I don't drink. And a few years ago, I was invited to speak for this company and it was at a winery in Napa. 
and, and my wife went with me and I was like, you know, I'm out here with all this wine. I just need to have a glass at night and just not be, I didn't want to be that difficult dude, you know? So we were drinking and, and you know, normally it's, it's, it's diet Dr. Pepper, although I'm trying to wean off of that onto more water and I'm tasting all of this red and I, I have no palate for it. And she's like, well, how is it? I say, you know, if I chase it with a Diet Dr. Pepper, this is the sweetest wine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, man. Well, hey, that just means that just means that I need to go into this whiskey thing to keep the legitimacy of this conversation. Hey, brother, feel free to partake. I've got a new go to. This isn't new and it's certainly not my first time having it, but I have just been reintroduced to Buffalo Trace, unpretentious. You can find it almost anywhere. You know, as a distillery, Buffalo Trace really does an incredibly nice job. And usually I play on the higher end of this whiskey thing. But, you know, just regular Buffalo Trace. We're going to crack this open. and Yeah. Go ahead and. And I'm just going to sit back and enjoy this uh, as we get to the foundation. Of My water the... don't don't make that sound when I twist the cap off. <laughs> but, hey, but this is going to be a foundational conversation about leadership uh, and jazz. And so with that, man, I'm going to sit back and enjoy this and just share a little bit uh, about your background and, you know, just what what you've been doing uh, that's got me so excited about this conversation we're about to have. Yeah. So I wear, I wear a few hats. You know, I work for a component of a federal government agency doing U.S. federal government, doing training and employee engagement. That's what my research was in, employee engagement, employee voice change management. I have an LLC, Amplified Research and Consulting, and that's uh, my fun house. So I do research, I do podcasts, I do blogs. I have fun there. I'm starting a little event thing this fall, hopefully post-COVID, called Inspire DC, where we're going to do these little mini events focused on storytelling. And then uh, I'm an adjunct professor at my alma mater, uh, American University. But as I say... Every Thursday night, I'm on grandpa duty and I am a TikTok video dancer for my grandsons. And <laughs> that's the job. If I if I don't nail that job, then the week really is just, just blown. So a TikTok dancer, huh? You TikTok got video dancer. Yeah, they they pick the song and I, I do the same dance, you know. And <laughs> and my daughter posts it. So that's their thing. Every now and then we may cut a little music video. Uh, they love the soundtrack to Hamilton. So we'll we'll be in the car and we'll just sing that. So uh, that's the important stuff. The other stuff is just nice to do. That's neat to do. There you go. I get it. I get it. Well, hey, I'll tell you, man, one of the things that really attracted me to this conversation and to you is that, as I said earlier, I have just recently discovered Lee Morgan jazz trumpeter and i don't know how i stumbled on him but the the farther i have gone the more i have fallen in love and my listeners know that i'm a miles davis dude so i kind of feel like i'm cheating on miles but lee morgan oh my gosh tell tell me about uh because you've listed him as one of your favorite one of your favorite musicians hands down 
tell the audience a little bit about Lee Morgan, because like me, they may not be as familiar. They may not be going as deep in the crates as you have with with Lee. So talk a little bit about who this dude is and why you list him as one of your favorites. Yeah. So I'm going to give you an analogy before we get started. So actually pre-LeBron, there was a conversation about, well, is Jordan the GOAT, so on and so forth. And I was talking to one of my boys and we were going to be like, we're going to pick our top five. And I said, well, I give you number one if you give me two and three and then we'll we'll alternate. He was like, really? And I said, yeah. He said, give me Jordan. I was like, great. Give me Oscar Robertson and Kareem. I would have said Magic, but Oscar and Magic played the same position. Give me Oscar and Kareem. That being said, anybody who wants to talk about a trumpet conversation, I'll give you miles. If you give me those next two picks and I'll, and I'll take Lee Morgan. So Lee Morgan was a, a trumpeter like Miles, who, I mean, his story's amazing. Uh, there's a Netflix out on him called, they call him Mr. Morgan. So he was killed during a set change by his common-law wife, I believe in the early 70s. But in that heyday of the hard bop in the 60s, and you know, the Blue Note catalog is amazing. He has so much stuff and he battled uh, heroin like a lot of a lot of the, the cats during that day. But if you look at the work he did, I got hip to him through, I believe, Taru. But if you look at the Sidewinder, the Rump Roller, Search for a New Land, if you're a Coltrane person, he was on Coltrane's Blue Train. So if you look at yeah. the body of work and the playing he did for that era... I would put him up with Miles. Now, you know, you and I talked. Once Miles tried to be like Jimmy, he was really influenced by Jimi Hendrix. Like, how did Jimi Hendrix get this crowd? And he started experimenting into the early 70s. And I really, with, with his music, that's where I got off the train, to be honest with you. Sketches of Spain, maybe. I mean, I like my Miles. In the movie Jerry Maguire with, with Tom Cruise, Renee Zellweger, there's a point where he takes her out on the date. And I guess her little male friend that's in the zone hands Jerry Maguire this John Coltrane, Miles Davis set from Stockholm. And I would rewind that to figure out the exact dates. And I actually found that CD. Yeah. Miles was a bad boy on that. And Coltrane with Miles, that was a nice group. Miles with Cannonball, that was nice. But yeah, man, Lee Morgan, just his quality of work. And the good thing is the Blue Note catalog is so deep during that time that you can just really go down a rabbit hole of Lee Morgan. And that's my guy. I, I find myself, that's an, that's an incredibly great analogy as to where I am. And I am falling down this, this wormhole because... Everything I listen to of Lee Morgan takes me to something else. And, it, you know, Lee Morgan took me to Clifford Jordan. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening to me now. Like I said, I feel like I'm cheating on Miles. Yeah. Because I'm really, really digging Lee Morgan. So for my listeners, if you are into jazz just a little bit, just a little bit, you you need to go just find just do a Google search on Lee Morgan and the thing that got me was Sidewinder that was that was my yeah. introduction to Lee Morgan and just caused me to just stop and say hey wait a second what, what what's going on here 
So the first one, I thought it was Taru. It was actually Tomcat. So if you start with Tomcat, the Sidewinder is good. I love Search for a New Land. If you like to ease into it, he has a cut of standards. He was recently in the news because one of his last sets live at the Lighthouse, maybe about 15 years ago, a three-disc set of that came out. Mm. And that was his last live performance. And it was just announced maybe a month ago that they were going to put out that entire, uh, I think it was like a week-long residency. I may have the dates off, but they're actually putting out that entire thing. And the cool, the cool thing about Blue Note at that time was all of them played with each other. So mm. you can literally find him as a sideman on other artists' work. Definitely Lee Morgan, you know? Yeah, I think he was uh you know in that in that special they they said that he was playing solos with Dizzy Gillespie at, at the age sixteen. At the age of sixteen, he's holding his own with one of the the undisputed greats in the jazz in the jazz genre. He's holding his own as part of his band and not just playing along, but actually playing solo uh, solos. So just an amazing, amazing dude. Now I want to bring it I want to bring in my other my other passion because there's a connection here that I have just really fallen in love with and that's the connection between jazz and leadership which I know is another strong yeah. of yours. Help me articulate the similarities between jazz and what the greats do in jazz and the kinds of skills abilities behaviors, mindsets that you need to have to be an effective leader? Yeah. So first, let's start with defining leadership. And so for me, leadership is achieving results through people via influence. When you unpack that, you have to have results. You can be the nicest, greatest leader in the world if you're not hitting goals, if you're not hitting productivity. You're not going to be around for a while. I remember I, I worked in a job where, you know what they say, 10% of the people are doing 90% of the work. I actually worked in a situation where that 10% would have done 98% of the work if they could. They just didn't want to involve other people. Through people means there's a dynamic of power sharing. And that gets into talent management and evolving talent and culture. And the last part, via influence, for me, I feel influence and power have an inverse relationship. So I'd rather share and diminish my power to build influence. I remember I had someone on my staff one day and we were talking and I said, uh, we were just talking. I said, well, you know, I'm your supervisor. I control your rating. And based on that alone, if I tell you that, that you got to do what I tell you to do on this project, you're going to do it and I'm going to lose you. (laughs) Now, the influence, I can empower you. I can motivate you. I can find out what your purpose is. I can, I mentioned I'm a voice researcher. So I want you to be empowered to share your voice. That's giving you some of the power and it's building my influence. Mm -hmm. So now let's, how I see this in jazz at early level, I have my own pod and I did a podcast with a young drummer. He's in LA now, Houston cat. He was in New York. Now he's based in L.A. named Reggie Quinterly. Real good drummer. Phenomenal composer. I did a pod with him. And I said, you know, I really started thinking about this. I'm a big fan of jazz at Lincoln Center. 
And the first time, you know, I'd always gotten their CDs and maybe about seven or eight years ago, I went to see them. And Wenton Marcellus is the director and he sets up in the back. Literally, he leads from the back. And the last time I was there, he had a Juilliard student on trumpet, set the young cat up front and gave him solos and he's leading from the back. So how does this work from a leadership standpoint? How do you lead if you're out front like a Miles Davis? Mm -hmm. How do you lead if you have a traditional supporting instrument like a Christian McBride on the bass? And then if you bring it to talent management, some groups you play with are very finite. And then you want to go in a different direction and you need a different group of personnel. So like Reggie Quinley, for example, he's put out four albums. He's had different personnel on each mm. album. And sometimes from a leadership standpoint, I love, well, culture. I love the story of, of John Coltrane and Miles Davis. So the first time John Coltrane was with Miles's group, he had a heroin addiction and Miles kicked him out. And then he came back and they did, whew, they did some magical stuff. And then John went out and did his own thing. And I, I saw this on a Netflix thing. So it's not like I was there firsthand. I was flying back from Aruba from on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the bandmates was like, John decided to leave because his direction of jazz didn't align with Miles. And the last thing, which I really think about leadership and like creating your brand and succession planning, man, I think of our Blakey, you know? Mm. So if you look at, you mentioned Duke Ellington, and then there was a period of jazz called California Cool, you know, California Cool period, commercial hits, white artists, and an incensed Art Blakey. So he created a form of jazz, and his goal is I'm creating a form of jazz that white people cannot play. And then as Cats came into his band, you know, he was the one who gave Branford Marcellus his start. Mm. But he literally told these guys, like, we must control this jazz market. You're with my band for two or three years and you learn what I do. Then you go out and start your own band. So everybody would cycle out. So bringing it back to what you said, like jazz is immersed in everything. We mentioned leadership, but, you know, it is one of this country's greatest inventions and all aspects of leadership from management, culture, pay, leadership change jazz has a place and a story in all of it i'm gonna mess up this quote uh i'm not gonna get it exactly right but you're gonna fix it for me if if i'm too far off but there's a quote that says that the objective of effective leaders is not to create more followers but to create more leaders it's it's something like that it's in the, that's in the ballpark and it came to mind when you were mentioning this story about I think you said it was Art Blakey that said, you know, hey, look, you're going to be with me for two years. Learn what I got and then go off and go do your thing. It didn't sound like he was saying, learn how to continue to play what I'm playing, but learn, use this as a foundation and then go do what you are here to do. How does that compare to what you see in leaders today who there may still be some out there that are saying, look, just do what I tell you to do. I'm not paying you to think for yourself. I'm paying you to do what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. So that's an institutionalized mindset. So uh, there's a book by Klaus Schwab 
the CEO of the World Economic Forum, where he is called the Fourth Industrial Revolution, great leadership book. And he talks about the direction and where we are right now is the Fourth Industrial Revolution. What he says is two things you need going forward is you need to have an empowered workforce. You need to have an empowered customer base. The empowered customer base means because everything's going the role of AI and robotics. Learning and development, the days of the five-day live in-person training for leaders is going the way of the dinosaur. When I go into the office, I listen to podcasts. They're out there. I go get them. They want you to go get your content. This isn't the 1950s. The assembly line, the plant, uh, a room full of clerk typists. This is a knowledge-based workforce where voice is necessary. Empowering employees, especially from a customer service standpoint, you need to satisfy customers. The driver of those two things is emotionally intelligent leaders. Mm. Now, that's what Klaus Schwab is saying over two years ago. Now, let's take the events of the past 16 months. Where people need, they need to feel connection. Where we are right now, on the back end of the pandemic, productivity is up, but at the sacrifice of wellness and burnout. As we talk to people of color, this time last summer, Black people, but earlier this spring, Asian Americans, these experiences with racism are impacting how people are presenting themselves at work daily. How do you create an environment where your workers feel empowered? They feel like they can be psychologically safe. They can be their authentic selves. And if it's a just do what I say attitude, that's tough. Part of the challenge from the talent management standpoint is, like for me, I tell everybody from my boss, (laughs) my bosses, to the people who report to me, Your current job is just the opportunity to set you up for your next job. So I've already baked turnover, succession planning into what we're doing. And with some leaders, uh, there's research that says leaders are all for career advancement of employees until it results in turnover. And I've battled with them where I'm literally like, so you want a super team. You want a super team that's going to be around like forever. And I had a CFO who, he didn't believe in anything we did. And he'd always use these quotes. Well, the great Vince Lombardi. And I was like, well, that was for a free agency, bro. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was before telework. <laughs> yeah. And that was when you would work in the 60s. You know, my mother was a, a elementary school principal. She got a job with DC public schools in 1966. And she knew that was going to be her only employer. I got some Gen Zs, man. And these cats are free agency. They're on the move. So if you don't, like I read uh, Andre Iguodala's book last year with Golden State Warriors, and he was talking about Mark Jackson. And when he coached the Warriors, he said, Mark Jackson would sit here and say, if you do this, all I need you to do is go in and rebound. If you do this, I promise you, you will get paid. If not by the Warriors, somebody else in the league. Mm. And that's where Iguodala's like, that's why people loved him. So For me, I work with people where I mentioned free agency because I would tell staff, look, performance review time is like free agency, baby. You need to go out and figure out what the market will bear. 
And if you want to stay with me, cool, we'll have these conversations. If you want to move on, then we'll have a conversation. I'll let you know what I think. And whatever your decision is, I'm going to do the best I can to get you there. You know, but that also includes having a conversation with like Galen. Galen, if you're working for me, I'm saying, okay, Galen, I've look, looked at your resume. For this job, the life cycle, your resume says you're going to be looking for something to do in three years. So we're going to have that conversation throughout your employee cycle. And when you normalize it with trust and psychological safety, then you can have those conversations without fear. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.